Welcome to task two. Task two, lead a team. Leadership. The project manager needs to understand the role of influence in guiding the project teams and stakeholders to the optimal outcome. There is a measure of influence that is necessary. Many times you hear of project managers trying to convince stakeholders about the best path to follow. Some are successful in convincing management and stakeholders about the best path to follow, but others are not. This is because they may not intentionally be influencing stakeholders using a tested and tried method. However, there is an expectation for project managers the demonstrated ability to influence management and senior stakeholders. Lead a team. The enabler 1.2.1 set a clear vision and mission. So your project duty as a project manager is to participate in the development of the project charter by compiling and analyzing gathered information in order to ensure project stakeholders are in agreement on its elements. This is part of setting a vision and a mission. And also when we talk about the vision and mission, it also points back to scope. So part of your project duty as a project manager is to develop a scope management plan based on the approved project scope and using scope management techniques in order to define, maintain, and manage the scope of the project. Lead a team enabler 1.2.2 is support diversity and inclusion. For example, behavior types and thought process. And in this one, as usual, we have a project duty. And our project duty here is to develop the resource management plan. Now you see, we have the word human. It's actually now known as resource management plan. So it's really to develop the resource management plan. We're talking about the part of the resource management plan that pertains to humans. So when you talk about a resource management plan, you've got to remember you've got a team management plan, and you've got a physical resource management plan. So you want to think about the team part. So your project duty is to develop that part of the resource management plan that pertains to humans and the team by defining the roles and responsibilities of the project team members in order to create a project organizational structure and provide guidance regarding how resources will be assigned and managed. So think about it. The enabler is support, diversity, and inclusion. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, by developing a plan and understanding diversity and inclusion and incorporating that into the plan. The second step is to acquire and manage project resources. Of course, we're talking about acquiring the human resources. So as you acquire resources, you're thinking about diversity during the acquisition of those resources. And again, you're following the resource and procurement management plans in order to meet project requirements. Let's go on to the third enabler. Enabler 1.2.3 is value servant leadership. For example, relate the tenets of servant leadership to the team. And your project duty here, as Emily said, is to relate those tenets of servant leadership to the team. So let's talk about some of these tenets of servant leadership. And you can see them on the right-hand side of the screen there. Conceptualization, listening, awareness, persuasion, stewardship, commitment to growth, healing, empathy, foresight, and building community. Now there's quite a lot to be said about being a servant leader. We wanna unpack this really quickly. A servant leader is one who stays in touch with the challenges and problems of others. 
This is from the book, Manning and Curtis on Leadership. But there's a little bit of background to leadership. Term leadership, servant leadership, was coined by Robert Greenleaf in 1970. We're not talking about inmates running a prison. We're talking about those who are in a position of leadership, thinking about serving those who they lead. Some think you cannot serve and lead at the same time, but you can. Once people are clear about their destinations, the leader's role shifts to one of service. Have you ever heard, let me get out of the way so you can do your job? So let's take a look at the 10 servant leader characteristics really quick. First one is conceptualization. And this characteristic relates to your ability to dream great dreams so that you can look beyond the day-to-day -day realities to the bigger picture. The second one is listening, being an active listener, being able to listen to your people, not interrupting them as they speak, but letting them give feedback, listen to what they say. The next one is awareness, being self-aware, being able to look at yourself, think deeply about your emotions and behavior, and consider how they affect the people around you. The next one is persuasion. Servant leaders use persuasion rather than authority to encourage people to take action. The next one is stewardship. Stewardship is about taking responsibility for the actions and performance of your team and being accountable for the role team members play in your organization. The next one is commitment. Commitment to growth. Commitment to growth of people. Servant leaders are committed to the personal and professional development of everyone on their team. To develop people, make sure that you use training needs assessments to understand their development needs and give them the skills they need to do their jobs. Next one is healing. This characteristic relates to the emotional health and wholeness of people and involves supporting them both physically and mentally. The next one is empathy. Servant leaders strive to understand other people's intentions and perspectives. You can be more empathetic by putting aside your viewpoint temporarily and valuing the other person's perspective. The next one is foresight. Foresight is when you can predict what's likely to happen in the future by learning from past experiences, identifying what's happening now and understanding the consequences of your decisions. Last but not least, we have building community. The last characteristic here is all about building community in your organization. How can you do this? You can do this by providing opportunities for people to interact one with another across the company. In other words, bridging gaps and helping people interact for the greater good of the firm. So there's quite a lot of stuff here, as you've seen uh, in the aspect of servant leadership. Let's go on to our next one, Emily, 1.2.4. Sure, Enabler 1.2.4 is determine an appropriate leadership style, directive, maybe collaborative. And in this one, we've got a project duty to perform a stakeholder analysis. So when we talk about determining an appropriate leadership style, we are going to analyze the people who are not only in our immediate team, but the wider group of stakeholders, because you also need to lead those individuals as well. There's a very popular model by Hersey and Blanchard here, and it's called the situational leadership model, and really depends on the stakeholders that you're dealing with. You might need to be highly directing. If they need to be highly directed, then you might need to step into that directing mode, or you might need to be in a coaching mode. In other words, you need to direct them and support them to the extreme, or you might have those who you just need to support. They 
understand what needs to be done, but they need that emotional and mental support. Or you might have people in the green zone. We call those people, those who you delegate the responsibilities to. And those in the delegating group typically are able to work on their own without supervision. They don't need a lot of support. And we find this style being used with senior executives. So on your exam, you can expect to get questions that give you a situation and ask you what leadership style would you use in such a situation? Let's go to 1.2.5. The enabler is inspire, motivate, and influence team members and stakeholders. For example, with a team contract, a social contract, maybe a reward system. And your project duty here, project managers, is to acquire and manage project resources by following the resource and procurement plans in order to meet project requirements. So when you have acquired those resources, human resources, people on your team, your job is to motivate them, to inspire them. And that's pretty much what this says. In order to understand this better, I would encourage you to read up five stages of team development and understand that. And remember, you're gonna have a lot of questions of a situational nature where some of the tenets of motivation, uh, inspiration and influence come into play. We'll talk about that during the actual direction of the course. Let's go to 1.2.6. This enabler is analyze team members and stakeholders influence. So again, project managers, you've got to carry out a stakeholder analysis to understand your stakeholders. When you understand your stakeholders using a power interest grid or an influence impact grid, and understanding their level of power, what stakes they have on the project, you get a better understanding of how to engage them. Now, I wanna point out the importance of data representation, which is your power interest grid, and also the data analysis, which is what stake does my stakeholder have? What kind of influence do they have on the project? What is their interest like? And questions such as that. Both of those are important when you're analyzing your team members and stakeholders. 1.2.7, this enabler is distinguish various options to lead various team members and stakeholders. So for this, the project manager's duty is to participate in the development of the project charter by compiling and analyzing gathered information in order to ensure project stakeholders are in agreement on its elements. So right from the get-go, project managers should begin to identify stakeholders at a high level in the stakeholder list, and then distinguish options of how to lead various team members and stakeholders when you get into the identification of stakeholders, power interest grid, influence impact grid, um, stakeholder analysis to understand the full spectrum. And there's one term here that I want you to take a look at in the PEMBOK guide, it's a salience model. When you take a look at the salience model, you know the power, the urges, urgency and the legitimacy of these stakeholders, and you want to apply that to better manage the project. So we've talked about quite a number of things. Uh, Emily, let's just go through them one by one. Sure. Task two, lead a team, has the following enablers. Set a clear vision and mission, support diversity and inclusion, value servant leadership, determine an appropriate leadership style, inspire, motivate, and influence team members and stakeholders, and then analyze team members and stakeholders' influence, distinguish various options to lead various team members and stakeholders. 
And project managers, we just want to drive it home because we see people being alarmed at these new tasks and enablers and things. To be perfectly honest with you, leadership is not new. It's been around for a long time. A lot of these items have already been on the PMP exam. So there's no need for you to be overtly scared or fretful. However, you do want to pay close attention to some of the new things we talked about. We talked about servant leadership. We talked about the 10 different tenets of servant leadership. Make sure you know that for your exam. And we also talked about the Hersey Blanchard model for leadership, knowing when to use each of those uh, quadrants to lead the team. Uh, next, we'll go on to task three.